grateful for all of you here. Before I begin my sermon, just because many of you are coming in in the midst of a, a series that we're doing, it's called Questionable, in which we're talking about what it's like, what it means, and how we can live questionable lives before others. Not questionable in that they're doubting our, our religion, but rather lives that provoke people to actually ask questions about who we are and why we believe what we believe. And on the back of your connection cards, you can see some of the things that we've talked about. We've talked about uh, being intentionally blessing others, not just in the casual blessing here and there, but intentionally looking for opportunities to bless others, both within the church and outside of the church. We've talked about uh, intentionally eating with one another, that this is, a, this, this is one of God's gifts that he's given to us. And throughout scripture, we see uh, the fellowship over a meal as an intricate part of of the, the gospel and the salvation of people. And then last week we talked about how we need to make sure that we're taking time to listen, not just to those outside, but more importantly, we need to take time that we're listening in prayer. Many of us pray, we talked about how many of us pray, and then we get up and we move on our way and we don't actually take that time in that moment to listen. We talked about how Jesus often prayed through the night and, and, and we said, you know, probably he didn't talk that whole time, but he did a lot less talk and a lot more listen than maybe some of us uh, do. And all of this is because we are wanting to learn how to live in such a way that people will ask us questions. Probably most of us will not be in a position where uh, Secretary Clinton will be asking us a question. It's just probably not gonna happen. And most of us don't know uh, anybody that can get George Bush to ask us any questions or say anything about us. Um, but if you do want to know someone like that, talk to James, obviously, because he does know people like that. We appreciate it. And James, by the way, is going to be preaching here in uh, June, and so I hope uh, you'll be ready for that and be blessed by that. We're looking forward to that. But uh, we learned many of those things, and we want to be uh, uh, provoke people into asking questions about who we are and why we believe what we believe and helping guide and lead folk to Jesus. And so that is the context of our sermon is, as we lead into it this morning. So let's bow our heads quickly before we continue. Jesus, I thank you so much for already the blessing of the service. I thank you for the testimony of our third graders. Man, what, a, what an amazing class already. They sound like college students with all that they're doing. Thank you for the testimony and the praise of the music that's taking place for Miss Lanning and her leadership with that. We thank you for the blessings of the prayers and the scripture, and we pray, God, that you will speak to each heart, continue to speak to each heart as you already have throughout this service. Thank you for Brianna and the testimony of her profession of faith. And uh, Lord, speak to us in these last few minutes of the service that we may leave here looking and living more like you. And most of all, Lord, that we'll leave here more in love with you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. C.S. Lewis wrote, in the same way the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ." If they're not doing that, if the church is not doing that, he says, all the cathedrals, the clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, Lewis says, are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose than this. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and that everything is to be gathered together in 
Christ, C.S. Lewis. Now, Lewis here was not proposing, let's not think that Lewis here was proposing that we are to be little gods, that we are in ourselves little gods, but rather he is affirming the idea that the church, which is everyone that truly lives for Christ, exists for one reason and really one reason only, and that is to be like Jesus and to help others to be like Jesus also. That is our purpose. That is why we exist. His premise is that this is the purpose of the physical structures we call church. It's not simply so that we can have a place to gather, but it's, it's the purpose of it is that so some, in some manner, what happens within the confines and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the halls of this building help us to be more like Jesus and thus help us to make others more like Jesus as well. The purpose of going on mission trips, our young people, and please begin to pray for them as they're going to Belize very soon in just a few weeks. 40 of them are going on that trip and several adults pray for them. But, but the purpose of that trip is not simply to have a nice experience, but it's, but it's so that they can be more like Jesus and so that they can help others to know Jesus more as well. The purpose of preaching, the purpose of music, the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of our school, the purpose of it all is to make people for and like Christ. That is what Lewis is saying. Y'all, when we were out there, Living in such a way that, that we provoke people to questions, there is an initial question that we should be asking ourselves. When we're, when we're intentionally trying to bless people and when we're, when we're uh, fellowshipping over a meal with, with others, we should be asking ourselves this question. When, when they begin to ask us this question, we should be asking ourselves, when we answer their questions, when we respond to their questions, will they know that we have been with Jesus. Or maybe another way to say it, will they know that we not only have the knowledge of Jesus, but, but that we in fact are fans and, and followers of Jesus? I wanna share maybe an analogy with you. It may be lost on some of you and maybe your lack of understanding will be the very point of the analogy. I'll give actually two examples. It is, some of you may be aware, the beginning of baseball season. February, some of you think, is about Valentine's Day. For me, February is about pitchers and catchers reporting to training camp. That is what it is about. And they have reported, and the spring training games began just this past week. So I'm a baseball fan. If I didn't know this, even if I didn't know this myself, I have an eight-year-old son who would be sure to let me know that this is the case. He told me the other day, Daddy, the Diamondbacks played the Antelopes. And he said, I don't know who the Antelopes are. I said, that's because they're a college team and they wanted to know all about why they were playing a college team. And I had to explain to him all the ins and outs of this. So I would, I would know whether I wanted to or not. But I do know what's going on and I have begun to, to follow the baseball season. But if I'm speaking to an individual about baseball and someone says, oh yeah, I'm a fan of baseball, very quickly I will be able to ascertain if they are actually truly a fan and a follower of baseball. And, and maybe some of you will pick up on this right away. If I walk into a room and, and there's two teams playing and I, and I ask the individual watching the game, so who's winning the game? If, if the individual says the Dodgers have three points and the Nationals have two points, I immediately know they are not a true follower and fan of baseball. Do you know why? Do you understand? Yes, some of you said it. Because a true follower of baseball never refers to a score in a baseball game with the word 
points, ever, just to let you all know. Later, if you're having a conversation about baseball and you want to look a little more intelligent, use a different word. What run should, what, well, what word should they use? So I, I know, I just gave it away, gave away the punchline. Runs. In like manner, in like manner, if someone is playing softball and they refer to softball as baseball, then I immediately know that they have spent no time actually playing the game of baseball. Because no one who has actually played baseball refers to softball as baseball. They refer to softball as softball. They're not the same sport, y'all. They're not. They go, they have basic, some basic rules, but they are not the same. There is a huge difference. Immediately know these things. Now, someone may say, well, you know these things because you are a fan of baseball. People that don't know Jesus and don't follow Jesus, they wouldn't be able to pick up on some of these nuances, these nuances of whether or not we have truly been with Jesus or not. I would beg to differ. You see, I believe, and I believe most of us believe that we are all made in the image of God, each and every one of us that walk on the face of this earth. No matter what nation we're from, no matter what our background is, no matter what our current religious state is, each one of us was made in the image of God by a creator God. And I believe because each one of us has been made in the image of God, there is something innate within humanity, something that, that can sense, that can pick up on the fact if someone has truly been connected to the divine or not. Something that they can just pick up on. These people, whether believers or not, they can, they can figure out if, if you are real or you are fake. Uh, our young people, our youth, our young up here, uh, they, they have this sense in them and, and, and they have a, a greater, they've tapped into that sense better than we do as adults. But, but even with adults, I, I believe that, but there's something in people that can sense whether or not they have been with Jesus or not. Turn with me to the book of Acts and we'll see a story somewhat related to this. Acts chapter four, my favorite book of the Bible. Acts chapter four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. In Acts chapter four, at the beginning of Acts chapter four, some of you will see the title, it's a, titled Peter and John before the council. Peter and John were, of course, followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. Verses one through four, Peter and John are preaching, and their preaching is annoying the religious leaders of the area of the day. They're preaching, and, and there are a group of Sadducees that are annoyed by their preaching. They're annoyed because Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They did not believe in resurrection at all. And so when these guys are preaching about the resurrection, it annoys them because they don't believe that, that resurrection can actually happen. And so they have Peter and John arrested. And then we pick up in verse five of chapter four, Acts chapter four and verse five. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. Those are the the leaders of the Jewish nation there, with Annas the high priest and with Caiaphas and with John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them, that is Peter and John, in the midst they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you Christ crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. 
This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation, he says, in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now before I read the next verse, I want you to think about something. The people the disciples are speaking to do not believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. The people who are the disciples are speaking to do not, are not what, what we would call believers in the power of Jesus. They are actually deniers of the power of Jesus. They do not believe that Jesus was resurrected. Therefore, how can this individual have any power to heal or to make a difference in anyone's life? They lack knowledge and understanding of Jesus and his ways. They don't become converted as a result of what Peter and John are saying here. We don't have evidence of, of Caiaphas or Annas suddenly becoming the great pillars of the faith. And yet, and yet, even though they were unbelievers, there was something about those two men that made these skeptics, these non-believers, say something. Verse 13 of, John chapter, or of Acts chapter four. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, remember, they asked these men a question. The men gave their answer, an answer that they did not believe in, an answer that they did not agree with, but they, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with what? Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. Sadducees that did not believe in Jesus. They asked a question. These unbelievers asked a question. The, the question is, was responded to, and as in the result of that question, in the result of that answer, these non-believers intoned and understood that yes, these people have been with Jesus. These people have been with Jesus. My question for us is, when we provoke people to answer questions and then they question us, after our answer, whether they agree or disagree, will there be something in us, that something so embedded in us that, that even if they remain unbelievers, they will be able to say, these people have been with Jesus. These people have been with, with the divine. Peter and John, of course, had truly been with Jesus in a physical state, but, but what of us? How can, how can we be with Jesus? Well, to answer that, I guess we would also ask, ask the corollary question, which is, what is one of the key factors in having a healthy relationship? One of the key factors, as I understand it, of having a healthy relationship is to actually know about the person that you are in relationship with. This, can we agree that this is probably a good idea? If I were to say to you, I have a happy and healthy marriage and you've never seen my wife and, and, and you had never seen us together, and you said, oh, tell me about your wife, and, and you say, okay, well, and I say to you, okay, well, what do you wanna know? Well, what does she do? You know, I think she works in the medical field. Well, can you be more specific on that? No, not really. Well, where is she from? Uh, I think she was born somewhere outside of the United States, but, but I'm not sure. What does she like to do? Sorry, I can't answer that. What color are her eyes? They're a color. That's what I can tell you. 
If I answered any of these in this way, you would immediately start to question my statement, I have a happy and healthy marriage, right? Because the lack of knowledge would convey this idea that there is not true relationship there. One of, one of the things that builds relationship is, is getting to, to know things. And, and many of us have a somewhat understanding of who Jesus is. It's, it's kind of at that, at that some of us are, are only still at that top level, maybe that, that distance level. I think of, of, again, in a relationship. When I uh, first became interested in Christina, I I knew that, that she always collected the mail for the missionaries, for the student missionaries at the chaplain's office on a certain day at a certain time. And so I just happened to be in the chaplain's office on a certain day and a certain time. I knew that she walked to her Christian ethics class on the upper promenade, not on the lower promenade at Southern. And so I'd, I'd, I'd jump up to the upper promenade and happen to walk by so I could nod at her. I knew that, that there was a, a nursing class that, was on, that met in the Spanish church up behind the campus. And so sometimes I would drive my car, and I know I'm starting to sound like a stalker here, but... <laughs> I would drive my car along the back road so that I could happen to maybe, oh, wave at her. Oh, look, there she is. I'm waving at her. But, but if this, was, this, is, this, is, this is only the beginning of, of the knowing of someone, and, and for many in Christianity, it's kind of that broad view. Well, I know that Jesus loves me. I know that he died for me, and, 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 and he lived some 2,000 years ago, and that's, that's the general gist about it. But we want to go deeper in that relationship, just as you go deeper in your relationship with, with the one you're courting, with the one you're getting to know. I, I quickly learned other things about Christina. When, we, when I started hanging out with her, I, I learned on our very first, kind of it was our first pseudo date. It wasn't, she tells me it wasn't really a date because I didn't plan it and because I didn't think it through. But, which I guess also told me that she was type A more than me. But, but. But on our first pseudo date, I learned that Christina is not a big fan of sandwiches. I took her to uh, the very nice and, and expensive restaurant of Blimpies, which was a sub shop, which was a sub shop at Four Corners uh, in the strip mall just beyond Four Corners there in Collegedale. And I discovered that Christina doesn't like sandwiches, and especially not sub sandwiches, which still to this day I'm trying to deal with and emotionally handle. Christina, I learned what her favorite color was yellow. I was at her house and I realized, man, there's a lot of yellow where she lives here. She still claims that yellow sometimes, although there's not that much yellow in her house anymore, so I'm thinking she's now moved into a more neutral area. I learned that she wasn't born in the United States, or at least in the, the 50 states. She was born in one of our territories. She was born in the, in the country of Guam, Tamuning, Guam. I know what she does, and I learned what she wanted to do. These are things that I, that I began to learn about her. I, I learned that Christina would not sacrifice a grade in school to spend more time with me. That one is really still beyond my comprehension. <laughs> but as I got to know her more, I learned things that were, were deeper, things that maybe I know but most people don't know. I know she doesn't like her middle name, and so she always shortens it when she tells people what her middle name is. And then I always tell them what her actual real middle name is, and this really annoys her. I know these things about, about her. I know that she got one grade in her entire education, all through graduate school and everything, that was less than the equivalent of an A. But don't bring it up because I know it still bothers her just a little bit. I know what her love languages are, acts of service and quality time, and then it goes even deeper. Right? 
But where do we stop in our journey with the Lord? Some of us are at that surface, and then some of us... But the only way that someone really believes that someone has been with someone is that they, they know them and they understand them deeply. I know what her stresses are, and I'll keep those to myself. I know what breaks her heart. I know what I've done that's hurt her the most. I know her concerns for our children about things. Now, even if you had never met Christina and I began to get this level of things, you would begin to realize he actually is with her. That, that actually is his wife. They actually have a good, decent marriage. How do we show a world Jesus? How do we teach the world to be like Jesus and, 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 and show the world that we've been with Jesus if we have not actually gone to those deeper levels of learning? We haven't learned of Jesus. One of the, the beautiful relational texts in the scripture is found in the book of Matthew chapter 11. It's a text many of us know, and many of us, when we've been in very hard times, uh, like, to, uh, like to claim as, 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 as our own in that moment, claim that promise. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. It begins in verse 28. Come to me, what? All you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you, what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. And then the very next line, what is it? And learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. We love this text. We love the, the, the emotive, relational aspect of it. Jesus is inviting us when we're in our deepest aspects of pain to, to come to him and to to, to, to allow him to take our burdens and to take our pain and to take our suffering. We love that he wants to take the things that weigh us down and are heavy in our lives. And Jesus says, this is facilitated by you learning of me, learning who I am, learning what I'm about and learning what I can do for you. We focus sometimes in that text on what Jesus will do for us, but, but the component of this relationship is that, is that we've taken the time through the grace of God to learn of Jesus. Last week we talked about listening and prayer. This week we learn of the one that is our everything. You know, there should be, there should be within the heart of every Christian a preoccupation, a preoccupation, an obsession even with the example and the teachings of Jesus for the purpose of emulating him in our lives. There should be a preoccupation and an obsession. Normally I talk to people and, I, and we talk about having balance in our Christian life and we talk about being, being balanced. There is an area of your Christian life that you should not be balanced and that is that you should be overly obsessed with learning more and more about Jesus. Young people, if I could tell you anything, I would tell you, Become obsessed with learning about Jesus and knowing who Jesus is. I want you to learn all the other things, but learn about all of it in the context and the aspects of who Jesus is. Be balanced, yes, but in one area, be unbalanced. Become obsessed with Jesus. Learning of Jesus helps us to understand Jesus better and provides the tools for appropriating his example into our lives. Isn't this what Jesus affirmed in Luke chapter 11? In this, or Luke chapter 10, sorry. Matthew, Mark, just two, two books over. Matthew, Mark, Luke. In Luke chapter 10, this is 
another famous story that we read. Now as they went, that was Jesus and his disciples, on their way, Jesus entered a village, Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat, where did she sit? She sat at the feet of who? Jesus. And what does it tell us that, that, that Mary was doing when she was sitting at the feet of Jesus? What was she doing? She was listening to what? His teaching, his words, his instruction. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Don't have to raise your hand, but do we have any Marthas in the room that are distracted with doing good? Distracted even from Jesus with doing good. Any Marthas in the room, both male or female, be a Martha in this case. But the Lord answered her. What did he say? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And listen to this, young people, listen to this. But one thing, one thing is what? Necessary. My Bible says one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Jesus isn't saying that good actions and good works are not, not important. What Jesus is saying is there is one thing, though, that is absolutely necessary. This series we've been talking about, about being intentional about blessing people, that means blessing people by our acts of service, blessing th people through the words that we, we share with them, blessing th people through gifts. We talked about being intentional about, about connecting with people over meals and doing these things. We can be intentional about all of these good things, but if we have not sat at the feet of Jesus, people will know that we have not been with Jesus and we will be without power. There is one thing that is necessary and Mary has chosen that thing, to sit at the feet of Jesus. There should be a preoccupation within the heart of every Christian of discovering more and more about Jesus. If we do not know more about Jesus, at this time than we did last year, then we're not on the right journey. If we do not know more than we knew about Jesus when we graduated from academy or when we got from our Sabbath school stories, if the basis of our theology is still beginners one Sabbath school and beginners two Sabbath school, which we have great beginners one and beginner two Sabbath schools here, it's a great foundation. But if that is simply still all that we know about Jesus, then we're not on the right journey. Folks, we want to live lives that provoke others to questions, and we want to answer those questions, but when we answer those questions, we want people to be able to say, those people have been with Jesus. Not they're smart, not they're amazing, but those people have been with Jesus. I want to, in closing, read you a very direct, a very practical statement. It is challenging maybe more than we think we can swallow, but I hope that it becomes the standard habit by which we all wish to live by, by which we all choose to live by, by the grace of God. It comes from the best book I've ever read on the life of Jesus, the book Desire of Ages, page 83, and many of you are familiar with the beginning of this quote. She writes, it would be well for us to spend what? A thoughtful what? Hour, how often? Every day in contemplation. It'd be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation on the what? Life of Christ. 
We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones, as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us. Our confidence in him will be more constant. Our love will be quickened and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. If we would be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. As we associate together, as we're out in the community, as we're within our, 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 the, the, the brotherhood and the sisterhood of the church, as we associate together, we may be a blessing to one another. If what? If we've taken that thoughtful hour each day in contemplation and life of Christ. We may be a blessing to one another. If we are Christ, our sweetest thoughts will be of him. We shall love to talk of him. And as we speak to one another of his love, our hearts will be softened by divine influences. Beholding the beauty of his character, we shall be changed into the same image from glory to glory. How can it ever be said of me? How can it ever be said of you? that he's been with Jesus, that she's been with Jesus. We shall be changed into the image from glory to glory as we've made it our obsession, our preoccupation to spend daily time learning of Jesus. And as we learn of him, as we learn more than our knowledge of baseball or birds or music or whatever you're passion may be, as we learn more of him than our knowledge of our spouses or even our own children, as we make learning of Jesus our preoccupation, may it be said of those sitting within the Spencerville Church today that they have been with Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that our great passion will be you, that learning of you will be our greatest heart's desire, not just for knowledge and knowledge's sake, but so that when people ask us questions, they may hear from you and they may know, whether believer or unbeliever, those people have been with the divine. Those people have been with Jesus. Lord, we wanna go out to this world and we want to provoke people to questions. Not so they know us better, not so they fill up our roles, but so they fall in love with you, Jesus. May this be our purpose, may this be our reality. In your name we pray. Amen.